A quiet, if somewhat nervous week around the House, with Parliament adjourned for its last short break before its final three-week sitting period for the year, beginning at 2 this coming Tuesday and running through to Thursday, December the 15th, when MPs are scheduled to start their long summer holiday. There were just three select committee meetings during the week and only one of them here at Parliament where MPs on the Transport and Industrial Relations Subcommittee gathered in Room 1 in Bowen House to hear submissions on the Land Transport Amendment Bill. Among several proposed changes that it would make to the Land Transport Act of 1998 are measures to update regulation of small passenger services, like taxis, and means of reducing fare dodging on public transport, which was just one of the concerns of the Ortaki Road Safety Group's convener, Fred MacDonald who began by explaining how he came to be making one of 90 submissions that the committee received on this bill. So I happened to be surfing Parliament one night and saw that uh, you people were inviting this submission. Um, a couple of days before we'd been parked outside Parliament here and had to feed the dreaded meter and it was quite simple, you know, you put your money in and you get your ticket. That reminded Mr MacDonald of the gate technology used overseas to control access to platforms at train and subway stations. See that cool parking meters out here. You know, and, and I've gone in depth into uh, the specifications, so it makes it easy. Um, and I'd like to see that happen. I travel regularly on passenger transport. We get our part-time suburban bus service from Otaki down to meet to the electric rail head at Waikanae, and I see fare dodging all the bloody time. And it's yeah, look, I'll give you an example. Six young guys got on at Porro, whacked off their face. The, the the train was full, and the guard didn't have time to get down before Kennebrew. And then he got to them and they said, oh, we got no money. He said, right, you're off at London. They said, oh, well, we're only going there anyway. They do that deliberately. I've seen a young lady do that from Waikanae to Powerprint. Uh, people buy 10-trip tickets, Waikanae to Wellington. They also buy a Tawa one and they get the Tawa one clicked. It's a lot cheaper. There's all sorts of little dodges go on. If you introduce the gating and vending machine type concept, you nail them before they get onto the platform. And Mr MacDonald had this response to a suggestion that controlled access systems might be too elaborate and costly for small country stations. At Silverstream Railway Station, there's a sliding gate affair that closes off access to the platform because a little schoolboy got killed there one day, he's on his iPod on and he walked straight in front of the train. Well, when they opened Waikanae, I straight away asked that they would do that there because a lot of older people from the eastern side of Waikanae, they wouldn't get used to more trains and regularly running. Well... Touch wood, no one's been clobbered. 150,000 to put that sliding gate system in, but it's not happening. It could happen in Auckland, it could happen all over the, the dangerous. Waikanae is a real danger spot, and it should have it. Um, Blackhawk's the same, you know, at the north end. The people come down the platform and they've got to wait while the train departs and goes north. Well, they should have that sliding gate there, because sooner or later someone's going to get clobbered there. So the answers are there, you know. Um, and I just sort of like to take the opportunity while I'm with you people to, to try and get it through that you know there is a bit of a failure in the system and, and a disconnect. Mr MacDonald will return later in the programme but his claim of a disconnect resonated throughout the next submission which was also about the application of technology to improve transport safety this time in taxis as MPs tried to get to grips with the application of a smartphone application or app known as Uber represented at the committee by the firm's local general manager, Richard Menzies. I'd like to firstly welcome the steps taken by the government towards developing a regulatory framework that accommodates people sharing rides in their personal cars. 
what we call ride-sharing. It's important to note that Uber wants ride-sharing to be regulated. <clears throat> we agree with Minister Bridges that ride-sharing has a key role to play in New Zealand transport, particularly in relation to reducing congestion. Sensible regulations will further open up this opportunity in New Zealand, and we look forward to working with the Ministry of Transport and the NZTA to implement these reforms as soon as possible. Mr Menzies then explained Uber's operation. Uber provides a technology platform that connects riders with drivers. It's as simple as that. If only that were true. Time and again, Mr Menzies had to explain the difference between the world of marked taxi cabs and taxi ranks and the Uber world in the cloud where drivers, cars and passengers are united on a server, probably in some far distant land. Ridesharing does not account for the sort of characteristics of traditional transport models. Ridesharing does not involve rank and hail work that typically defines a taxi, with all the requirements that apply specifically to taxis. Likewise, ride-sharing does not involve the analogue booking characteristics of, the, of private hire drivers. Despite that assurance, Mr Menzies was required to back the claim that hiring Uber was as safe, if not safer, than hailing a passing cab or choosing one off a rank. We agree that safety and consumer protection are the number one priority. That is why we've implemented an onboarding process that involves Ministry of Justice criminal history checks, NZTA driving history checks, as well as registering all our partners on the NZTA's driver check platform for daily updates on any statuses of any license status changes. We changed our onboarding processes to demonstrate that new technologies and new more efficient processes could achieve the public safety objectives that people expect, but do so in a way that allows everyday citizens to provide rides in their personal cars. Nevertheless, Mr Menzies still faced questions about Uber's position in what's now known as the rank and hail space. So one of the really unique things about Uber that helps distinguish it from traditional private hire or taxi services is that all trips are facilitated via the Uber app. There's no such thing as rank and hail work, so people can't simply spot an Uber and jump into a random car. The rider has to already be signed up via the Uber app. We have the credit card details on file, we know who they are. The driver also has to have been through our onboarding processes and we have a record of that driver too so we know that they're safe and have met the requirements to be on the road. In an instant that a driver no longer meets those requirements, if say a, a document expires like their warrant of fitness, we automatically remove their access to the Uber platform. So someone can't take Uber trips unless they're registered and available to be online with our platform. Uber's general manager also responded to questions about the lack of safety cameras in Uber vehicles, raised in another context when, after leaving that meeting, I headed across town to get a haircut, grabbing a taxi from the rank on Lambton Quay opposite Bowen House. No need to fiddle with my phone. In the hail and ride space, you just get in and go. I had been reminded of my very first experience of a parliamentary select committee back in the early 1990s when the Bolger National Government was implementing the sweeping free market reforms started by the fourth Labour government of David Longy and Roger Douglas. They included wholesale deregulation of transport at a time when taxi companies were licensed, taxi drivers were male and white and wore walk shorts and knee socks. And there were long queues at taxi ranks, especially after the movies on Friday and Saturday nights. A far cry from the present when it's taxis that queue for passengers, and there were so many taxi ranks that it's very easy to get a taxi but very hard to find a park. 
As all good journalism is done from the back of a taxi, I asked my driver, who must remain anonymous, what he thought of Uber. Uh, Uber like taxis, but not like taxis because they don't have taxi stand, but they still deliver like people from place to place, and uh, uh, they are cheaper than other companies, but sometimes they are uh, more expensive. They're uh, like fare is multiplied by two, sometimes by three. It depends upon how are they busy. So some people, they were upset and some people, they were happy with them. Do you regard them as competition? Yeah, of course, they are competing with other taxis uh, companies here in New Zealand. And uh, yeah, they, are, they have many drivers now, as I hear, maybe 200 drivers. Do you think the competition is fair? No pun intended. What's not fair, we have some requires we have to do as a taxi drivers, but for the Uber, they are not required those things. Like I have this security camera in my car. If security camera is not working, uh, police will fine me $400. So why I have been fined $400 for it's not working, my, ca- my security camera, while they don't have anything in their cars. Do you think that um, also lack of signage is a problem with safety, not knowing that they are taxis? Yeah, of course, people, they don't know if this is like uh, delivering people or it's a private car. Like when I'm driving, any mistake I do, always other drivers are looking over this flank, this, uh, this company, and they're complaining against me, even for small, small, tiny things, while nobody will complain against them because they don't know they are taxi drivers or not. Mr Menzies' reply to that Wellington taxi driver's point about the lack of cameras and Uber vehicles would have gone like this. So the technology that we have in place, uh, as I said, fundamentally changes that safety profile uh, because it's not an unknown transaction. We know who the rider is, who the driver is, and all of that information that's packaged into that. In the unlikely event that an issue does arise, we actually have uh, 24-7 support monitoring the feedback so we can respond to those issues very quickly. Uh, we also have the ability to remove a driver's and rider's access from that platform very, very quickly. And we have a law enforcement response team that's fully set up to process any law enforcement data requests very, very quickly and efficiently to support investigations. Uber's General Manager for New Zealand, Richard Menzies, speaking to members of the Transport and Industrial Relations Subcommittee, hearing submissions on the Land Transport Amendment Bill. And there's plenty of time to sort out their rank and hail space from their rider-meets-driver Uber app because they don't have to report the bill back until the middle of March next year. Now, before Fred McDonald gets the final word, here's the Leader of the House, Jerry Brownlee, with a preview of the week ahead. Mr Speaker, when the House resumes on Tuesday the 29th of November, the Government will look to complete the third readings of the Children, Young Persons and Their Families Advocacy, Workforce and Age Settings Amendment Bill, the Wildlife Powers Amendment Bill and a number of other bills on the order paper. Wednesday the 30th of, of November will be a Members' Day. The Leader of the House, Jerry Brownlee, now hears Otaki Road Safety Group convener Fred MacDonald with some parting advice to MPs on the Transport and Industrial Relations Committee got to triple down from you guys and you got to know you got to hear from the grassroots because the bureaucrats won't tell you they want jobs for their great-grandchildren they're not in any hurry whatsoever so you understand um, where I come from and that's Ortaki south of Levin as committee member Morris Williamson confirmed after he got out his iPad and googled it I'm Tom Fruin and this program was made with funding from Parliament